0: Hey women, it's Kelly. Thanks for joining me today. I think this is kind of a cool episode because it's actually me being interviewed by my friend instead of me doing the interviewing of people. So you'll get to hear a little bit more of my shtick on a modern woman's guide to intimacy here today. Follow me on Instagram. I tend to go live there a couple of times a week now because it's so fun and there's so many questions and answers that people bring in. Menopause has been a super hot topic lately. So find me on Instagram at Kelly MD. Uh, the other cool thing that I'm doing is um, I'm going to do some live podcast recordings. The end of this interview today, you'll see she talks a little bit about my course, and it's a little dated because I don't have a course going on right now, but I am going to start to do some podcast, live question and answer uh, group coaching stuff. And you can find out about the date and time for that by signing up for my email list on kellycaspersonmd.com. So head over there if you want to be involved. Otherwise, come over to Instagram and you guys. The, the, the feedback's been so cool I got this feedback my favorite Instagram thing so far was this woman saying that I have the best content on the planet which is so sweet so this stuff is so important for people to hear fact-based science-based knowledge about their bodies and intimacy I absolutely love what I do so thanks for following me if you would find it in the kindness of your heart to leave me a podcast review it would be awesome so other women can find our little group here too and be the coolest place on the planet all right, love you. Welcome to You Are Not Broken, the only podcast that combines science, medicine, and psychology to re educate your brain and help you live your best to love life. And I'm your host, Ford certified female urologist, Dr. Casperson.
1: All right, we're live. Woohoo! Woohoo! Thanks for joining me on this Friday afternoon, Dr. Kelly Kasperson is here. She is going to talk to us about a modern guide to women's intimacy. So she is a expert in urology, and she's also an expert in female sexual health, well I guess male sexual health too since you do urology. By default. Yeah, we're talking about the girl stuff today, so we're going to to focus on the, the women. So I invited her because I wanted to talk about this concept of intimacy because I think that's important for wellness. Like I think that you can't be, you know, we can't address wellness without talking about that part of your life and how you can make that a little bit better so that you feel secure and feel happy and get what you need out of that relationship as well. So um, I wanted to first talk to you and just say, you know, tell us what, why you got interested in this, what drew to this topic. I mean, you have a lot of things that you're fantastic at in urology. So why this? Yeah. Why more, right?
0: Because <laughs> it is more, because urology stereotypically is genital urinary male. Um, but it just became so glaring to me that we weren't addressing 50% of the population who's supposed to be sleeping with the people that we're giving Viagra to. So that's kind of where it came from. And just over and over in my clinic of the men blaming the women as the reason why they weren't having sex. And then conversely, the women were blaming the male partners for the reason why they weren't having sex. And I'm like, everybody's just blaming everybody for a a lackluster sex life. So it just became more and more of a need that just people just kept coming. And I'm like, I didn't get trained in residency of how to do this. So that's where Mm -hmm. I read, I read all the books and went to the conferences and now I'm, now I know a lot. (laughs) Yeah. So, cause there's one within urology, there's one fellowship in America for women's sexual health. It's Er, Erwin Goldstein in San Diego. So I have a couple of friends who've actually done their fellowship. I was impressed to know there was even one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, it's not, you know, you can look at commercials and realize that it's not necessarily aimed towards women on, on trying to improve. I mean, there's one medication for libido or two now, but still not a great drug. Yeah. So, and you from, know, trying to address women's issues is sort of a little bit, uh, not we're not there yet.
0: Yeah, it's just starting. It's just starting. I mean, even when I was in training, it was the, the ex, I now see it as an excuse, but the excuse was women are too complicated. We'll never know you know, kind of this like blanket of like why we don't know and underlying that all is, I think society's frame that women shouldn't have pleasure or our pleasure is not as worthy as male pleasure. So there's a lot of underlying society reasons of like, why aren't we talking about this?
1: Yeah. So what, what did patients, I mean, when patients would come in and talk to you about it, what would they say that kind of made you go, I got to figure this answer out? Like what is it that you know? What were they saying to you? Yeah, you said they were saying, you know, well, it's their fault and this is their fault. But they, what were they saying that kind of made you say, I, I gotta figure out a better option because I don't know this. Medical school didn't teach me this.
0: Yeah, I think desire is a big one because we're starting to talk about desire a little bit more. So people were coming with it being lost, kind of like it's gone. Where is it? And look, mm-hmm. and people looking to doctors or outside people to find it. And, to be, and so realizing what is normal for female desire? And is it, is it the doctor's job to give desire back? Which now mm-hmm. I know I'm like, no, no, no desire, becomes, there's this big sex organ and it's the biggest one. And that's where a lot of the work needs to be done. On, you know Certainly there's hormonal things, but a lot of it's what do we do in a long-term relationship? Are our bodies, if our bodies and our brain are built for novelty and to be interested in things we've never seen before, right? That's what neuroscience and our brain, right? What do we do in long-term relationships? Where you like uh-huh. know all the color of their underwear because you fold it all every week, you know? <laughs> so, the, and I was a neuroscience undergrad in college. So I think neuroscience, it's, I'm like, oh, I'm coming back to my neuroscience roots after like segueing into urology. Uh-huh. And I, I, what I saw a lot is just the myths that kind of society tells women about sex. And I think, you know, sex is one of those things where everybody's expected to be an expert and nobody got any training. Uh-huh. And, and the other thing about sex is nobody's so good at sex that they can't get better at it. Yeah. <laughs> so those are kind of freeing thoughts of like, oh, no wonder why I don't know anything. Cause a lot of people it's in late elementary school right when the hormones are starting to happen. So certainly you're not being taught about long-term relationships and menopause and sex, you know, in your third grade sex education. And a lot of sex education is fear-based, right? Mm-hmm. Don't get pregnant and don't get, a, don't get an infection. And if I think back, I don't know what your sex ed was, but if I think back to sex ed, it was internal female organs mm-hmm. for the women. It was like ovaries and uterus. So we never got taught how that pleasure comes from the clitoris in the majority of women. And here women think that they're broken because traditional penis and vagina penetrative sex is not doing it for them, right? Uh-huh. Well, we, d- we didn't even get taught about those organs in sex ed. So there's so much underlying lack of knowledge. And women are, instead of saying, hey, maybe I don't know, women are saying, I'm broken, right? Uh-huh. And so I, for my job to be like, you're not broken. It's just that you never got taught in the first place. Mm-hmm. And we and women also give all their power away, right? So we're like, well, my my partner doesn't give me an orgasm, right? It's not the partner's job, you know. He didn't. He, men didn't get any better sex education than we got, right? Why are we giving them all the power to give us orgasms? Mm-hmm. So to me, I'm like, it's not fair. They also didn't get good training, and you just gave all your power away if you think it's somebody else's job.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and a lot of a lot of women are are you know taught from their parents, from their, like from their families or their perceptions of what they see on TV. Like they get education from other places, not necessarily from any science behind it or any actual, you know, um, understanding of, like you said, the brain body connection, how that plays into it. You just sort of learn from your mom, learn from the show, learn from other things around you, but you're not really sort of taught, um, a bigger picture I, yeah. think what saying I think about it's, it's what pretty
0: unique when, when somebody's all like, goes together, <laughs> yeah. When somebody says like, Oh, well, my mom told me that I can have pleasurable feelings down there. And that's actually a very normal thing. Like you hear the, the proper raising of kids and you're like, wow, that's really rare. Cause a lot of it's shame based. We don't talk about it. You don't touch down there, you know? And, and so here we are with a 40 year old woman wondering why she can't have an orgasm when she's been told her whole life that her body's shameful and that she shouldn't have pleasure. Right. And it's like, once we realize that, that duality, we're like, no wonder why we're conflicted all the time.
1: Mm-hmm. What kind of books do you think that, um, you tell patients that they should look into to get a better under- basic understanding of, um, how to know their anatomy yeah, and I- how to, you know, figure out what's normal. Like what they should be interested in. You know
0: what I mean? Exactly. A good anatomy book is um, Jen Gunter, who's a gynecologist, Dr. Gunter. She just has the vagina Bible, which is like Mm -hmm. all about just your pelvis. If you don't have basic like, what's it supposed to smell like? What am I I supposed to It's like the care and feeding of your pelvis. So that's just a good anatomy one. Mm -hmm. Um, Becoming Clitorate by Lori Mintz. She's a PhD in Florida. That talks all about orgasmic inequality, which is fascinating. So in a heterosexual relationship, heterosexual women have the least amount of orgasms of anybody. Hmm. Um, And so she talks about becoming clitorate and being like, actually, the clitoris is what we need to pay attention to. And traditional sex doesn't usually stimulate the pleasure organ. So becoming clitorate talks a lot about that. Um, Come as you are. Uh, by Emily Nagoski is kind of the classic famous book now about desire and spontaneous versus responsive desire. And the majority of women in long-term relationships are are responsive desire. So your partner isn't unique. He isn't special today. You aren't going around trying to seek out sex. But desire for sex will arise when you're put in an environment where you're having sex. And that's totally normal. So a lot of women, we, we have this misperception that we're just supposed to be desiring sex all the time. Right. And I always say like, if 18 year olds ruled the world, it probably wouldn't be great. There's a reason why we aren't desiring sex all the time. So, but just to be, to normalize it, right. Of like, if you're not interested in sex, but then you like get in the situation and you start having fun and you have a great time, nothing wrong with you. That's normal female sexual response. And that's the majority. Mm -hmm. So that's a great book. Come as you are.
1: Those are great resources because it's good to figure out uh, or give people options to to read and then they can maybe ask different questions to their providers because sometimes I think it's, I think sometimes in, at least when I see women for yearlies, they often want to talk about these issues, but it's hard to know where to even address it. I mean, how to even say it to your gynecologist or your urologist or what to even say? Because I can tell sometimes in the conversations that people are kind of, Wanting to talk about things but don't know how to actually say it. So maybe if you read one of those awesome books, you can actually sort of figure out what am I actually asking questions about. Like, what what am I curious about? What's normal, or what do I need to know, as opposed to just kind of like, I don't know, is this normal? You know, like totally should this be happening? Because the one downside is when you see someone in in a clinic setting, you don't get to see the partner, (laughs) so you really don't get the other component of the, the piece to see what, what what's actually going on and what's the, um, concern for both people essentially.
0: Yeah. 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 And so much of it's just normalizing normal bodies, you know, of like, well, you know, my, my partner doesn't really give me an orgasm and it's like, well, what are you doing? You know? And they're completely neglecting the clitoris, which is the, this is so cool. It's like, it's the only organ in male or female that's designed only for pleasure. (laughs) <laughs> and then people like automatically will be like, "What about penises?" <laughs> and you're like, "Well, yeah. that has to pee, right?" And it also yeah. has to put sperm into a female to reproduce. So it has, that actually has three jobs, mm-hmm. whereas the clitoris's only job is pleasure. It's there. That's what it's there for. And we're mm-hmm. mostly ignoring it because we didn't get comprehensive, sex-positive sexual education.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and we don't get a lot of anatomy that you mentioned. You know, they're not taught um, what your parts are, you know, depends on what your, what your mom or your, you know, family member discussed with you. And so it doesn't always, it's not always equal the the conversation.
0: Yeah. And and so much for the female, our parts are really hidden. Like we kind of do have to take a, a, you know, mirror to look at it. Whereas for guys, it's like staring at them in the mirror. And so a lot of it is, we don't know because we can't even see most of it. And for the clitoris, the majority of the clitoris is inside the pelvis, wrapping behind the labia. And it's like, I don't know. I don't know if I even learned that in med school.
1: Yeah. Do you think that there's good um, ways that like moms can talk to their daughters about these things and and a good way that they can kind of, um, you know, you don't want to talk too much about these things unless they're ready to have that discussion. But when they are kind of, what's the best model, I think as a mom to try to talk to their daughter about, you know, intimacy and how this, um, to know your body and to understand what, um, what you're capable of essentially.
0: Yeah. So there, I mean, there are plenty of people. I have a friend actually who works with kids and teenagers and age appropriate um, kind of sex education in in the house. And she starts, you know, very early using anatomic correct body parts. Mm -hmm. And that does two things. Number one, it gives it a name, right? So it's something that exists just like an elbow exists. And it's also using the appropriate name for the organ. So, and that's actually been shown to decrease, um, Potential for abuse for kids because they know what it's called, they know it's theirs, they know that it's private, and and they know how to communicate what had, what has happened if something has happened. So <laughs> na- naming the body part early on. So I have two young girls. They both have they have vulvas. Um, <laughs> so we ha- we give it names, and then you, then you can have conversations about the appropriate names, um, and just normalizing pleasure of like you know sometimes our bodies feel really really good. When when you might see something, or you might turn over in bed and rub something, or but that's a really private thing that you do just with your in your bedroom with the door closed, um, and just kind of normalizing those conversations, and and you know not not everybody wants to talk about that, so this is something that is kind of private. So just kind of starting to have those conversations as age appropriate, and as they become curious. Literally yesterday, my oldest child said, "But how did I get in your belly?" <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, it's a whole other yeah. conversation. Well, and I think that's a good point that you brought up about um using part the actual name because I also think that that's uh, you know, if something is not appropriate touching, I I think from a parent perspective you want to hear them say someone touched my penis. Someone touched my so as opposed to like making up some term, like it may not be clear as to what happened and what, what was the, you know, scenario, what's going on. I think it just makes it more clear to a child, like this was not supposed to happen. This is what I'm telling my mom. This is not what's supposed to happen. I think that's also important. If you use different terms, how is, you know, a counselor or teacher going to know what, you know, a fluffy is or whatever, like Mm -hmm. it just doesn't Really relate. I think they may not, they might not catch it as a problem that there's yeah. something going on if it's not those correct terms too.
0: I think you're really empowering people when you use the correct body parts. Like even women coming, and I see this a lot more in the older generation coming to see me. Of they don't know what their vulva is. So they just mm-hmm. say it hurts down there. And then you really have to be like, where is it hurting? You know, it's like you can't communicate with your physician when something is going wrong. If you don't know the name, the body parts.
1: Mhm. Yeah. No, that's, that's true. That is very true. So most of the time when people come in and they're, they're struggling with the idea of how to turn off the mom brain to get things going to get, you know, how do you, how do you, I think, you know, we sort of sometimes come up with these scenarios where, you know, we're going to walk in the door and there's going to be rose petals and the music's playing and you know, the dinner's prepared. Of course, all the laundry's done. Cause that does it to, for everyone. <laughs> all, all the chores are done and you know, then there you go. He's going to sweep you off your feet. And I think sometimes, it, well, not sometimes the reality is that's not the way it works. So what do you tell yeah. patients or tell your clients like what's realistic yeah. about how to, 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 change your
0: mindset? Totally. And I think that's why it's so fun to talk about is because you just talk about kind of what's normal and how the body works and how the brain works, right? And the differences between male and female brains in kind of sexual attraction and getting ready for sex. So it's super fun to talk about because it comes back to neuroscience and it comes back to the biggest sex organ, which is up here. And if this brain is not good at turning off yesterday and turning off tomorrow, that sexual self, which is really like that two-year-old that wants to be in the moment, nothing else is existing, it has a really tough time showing up because you're either in the past or the future, and the past and the future is not good for sex. And so a lot of it, it really is training of like, you're in the moment and now oh, I've noticed that I'm thinking about work tomorrow and coming back to your pelvis, going back to your clitoris, going back to the touch and really kind of training your body because your brain is used to, you know, 23 hours of the day, multitasking, managing your life and planning. And that mm-hmm. is just not good for sex. So women are like, oh, I can't have sex because I'm always blah, blah. And it's like, well, yeah, you're." it's an untrained brain, right? Mm-hmm. And so you really can get better at that. And the other, the other thing I really like of the difference between women and men is women are, are, men are very visually contextual when it comes to sex. So they're like, see boobs, have sex, see boobs, have sex. And they can be like that for their entire life. That's Uh now that's, I overgeneralize a lot, but that's one way of thinking about why men can just be like, I'm in the middle of the road, boobs and sex. I am at my parents' house, boobs and sex. You know, like they, it doesn't matter what their context is. They see boobs, they have sex. And Again, not to oversimplify, it's not always working like that, men. I don't want to ever want to offend anybody. But if for women <laughs> are like, why does he just always want blah, blah, blah? Or he can just do it. That's the way their brains are. They're very visual <laughs> and they're not context dependent. They're like, boobs and it's cold, sex. Boobs and it's hot, sex. Whereas women are very much more context dependent as far as it's an okay time, it's a safe time, it's an appropriate time. And why socks on the ground might be really off-putting for some women. They're like, this is not an appropriate time to have sex. There's socks on the ground. Yeah. right? <laughs> and, and the other thing about that is why women weigh more than men. Women will be like, let's go to a, a, this sexy B&B. It's down by the beach. Let's just get away. Let's have an, a romantic time. They're trying to create a, a context that's okay for sex. Whereas men are like, why the heck would we spend more money to go to the beach? Let's just have sex here. Right, Mm -hmm. And why men don't understand when women are like, let's get away, it'll be so relaxing, we'll be able to have sex. That's their brain trying to make a context-dependent, appropriate place for sex. And it's like, once you realize that, to me, things make a lot more sense of like, yeah, she might not want to have sex because she's thinking like the dishes still need to get done, (laughs) the kids' lunches still need to be packed, and with why there's data on men who wash dishes get more sex, and they're really kind of taking care of that part for her brain. Right. The other way in, um, in what is it? She comes first, come as you are. When one of the books, they talk a lot about brakes and accelerators, right? So dopamine and serotonin or brakes and accelerators for sex. Whereas Uh women, women drive around all day with the brakes on, right? It's not okay to have sex here. It's not okay to have sex here. It's not okay to have sex here. Now I'm tired. It's not okay to have sex here. And what we need to do is we need to take the brakes off and put the accelerator on, right? And the accelerator is... Uh, I'm in a good context. He took care of the dishes. Uh, I'm relaxed. I, maybe I've read some erotica. Maybe I've had a small sip of wine. Wine, can de- what wine is very good at, alcohol, is very good at nah. doing because you'll get it. Well, doctors just told me to have a glass of wine. It's good and bad. So what alcohol does is it makes people myopic, right? That's why you're like, I'm going to have a wild night and not worry about tomorrow because I'm drinking. So what alcohol does is it really focuses the brain into the moment, which can be very good for women who, I'm not saying drink, but why a lot of women will say, Mm -hmm. I just have a glass of wine and then it's fine, right? Because the brain is actually like doing this because of alcohol, but too much alcohol decreases orgasmic capability. Um, And so it's, and it's a depressant, right? Mm -hmm. So it's... I'm not giving medical advice to dose alcohol, but talking about brain science and why some women say, okay, now I can get in the moment when I've had that half a glass of wine, because of what the brain is literally doing, and why too much alcohol is not good. Too, too much alcohol is a depressant, it will, it's not good for sex.
1: So, do, do you tell, I mean, do you think that people need to communicate the thing between, since there's so different learning styles and so different on how they see? um, when it's appropriate, like, how do you, then is a, a conversation that happens between your, the partners, or is it something that women, because we tend to be a little bit more layered, <laughs> need to learn to retrain their brain? Like, what do you yeah. think? Is it, is it a, is it a two-way street there? Or you think that we're, we need to do a little bit of, and now we're only talking to women here that, cause it's so we could say, well, we can do a little more work. <laughs> it's just us talking about it. <laughs> right, <and> I
0: never <laughs> want to be like, well, women, you need to do more work. No, it's, um, I think compassionate, conversation of understanding each other is always good. And if you view sex in a creating intimacy, creating a bond, creating that relationship, communication always will help that. Right. And you might be like, you know why I'm not interested in sex on Thursday nights? Because I have my work meeting. The kids have an early morning, you know, and instead of like, where the guy's just like, boob sex, you know? And so in communicating of like, you know, what really helps me get in the mood blah 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 blah, because a guy might not know or he might not understand like why would you need that? You have me right, so I think communication yeah. can always help
1: yeah, I think that that's a like a brilliant point about saying like this is why it never works on Thursday because my brain is not going to focus because by the time I get the kid back from soccer and I've had a long day, it's my longest day of work, you know. It's not going to happen. I think that's actually a great way to start a conversation because I, I think some – definitely, I think people's partners often don't even – don't even register that that's an issue. Does that make sense? Like that, that's a, even a problem. I think that's an easy way to not kind of hurt anybody's feelings but still have the conversation and say, you know what? Trust me. Thursday is not going to work for you. You should probably try another day. You know? Yeah. Like, like trying to have that conversation that's kind of simple and, and but still – useful to kind of bridge that gap on how are we going to talk about this instead of just saying, well, I don't like it when you don't do the dishes and I don't like it when, you know. Yeah, like, totally. Let's let's talk about the reality, which is it's just not going to happen on Thursday.
0: Totally, which I think, you know, I'm all, I'm all into giving women the power back, right, of like, it is, you, you have the power, right? So if you know you're context dependent as far as sex goes, you have the power to create that context, right? And there mm-hmm. is the there is the kind of pros and cons of scheduling sex, but if you can be like, "Hey, at three pm on Sunday is when we're gonna have sex, then you can be like, brain, we're not going to think about anything else all we're that's my only project is just to enjoy my body, to enjoy my partner, so there is some pros to actually scheduling sex and making it a priority because if you do wait till the end of the week and you're exhausted and now it's the last thing before bed that's that's not sexy,
1: yeah, and I think sometimes people who You know, I I mean, I think for some couples that might work to schedule too, because they may also be anticipating, okay, we're going to go out to dinner, or we're going to have this wonderful meal, and then things are going to happen afterwards. And what if you go out to dinner and you're too full or you're, you know, Yeah, and don't drink too much
0: alcohol, because then you'll be too tired.
1: Yeah, exactly. So you just never know. Like if you put all these expectations as to what exactly it's supposed to be planned out as, it may, like, it may not yeah. live up to those expectations and you'll be disappointed because you planned on Friday night.
0: Yeah. And give yourself grace, right? And that's why some sex experts will say don't schedule sex because they're like, it's too much pressure. And if, you, if you're a pressure then that's not sexy. Right. And so it's a pro and con. It's like figuring out what works for you, but some brains work very well of like, Hey brain, we're just going to enjoy the body and touch and being naked. Mm-hmm. That's all your. That's your only job right now. And kind of a, the freedom of being like, Oh, that's, that's all I have to do right now. This, this is going to be fun. You know, instead yeah. making it more, instead of it's a chore, It's something fun you get to do that's relaxing. I mean, there's tons of signs of like why orgasms are good for you, right? It's bonding, it's stress reduction, it's the feel-good hormone. So there's all these reasons that, you know, sex is a healthy thing. But if you make it like, this is for me to enjoy, instead of like, it's something I have to do on my to-do list. Because if it's on your (laughs) to-do list and kind of a chore, or you're doing it for your partner, and then you're like, well, where'd my desire go? (laughs) You're like, well, Mm because you made yourself a to-do list, and you already have a to-do list, you know?
1: Yeah. What do you think people who are, say they just got married, what do you think that they would um, like? What would you advise people to kind of open that discussion about what how they see things going in the future, how they see their you know love life going or how to, you know, or even intimacy, because it doesn't always have to do with sex. I mean, sometimes it's just, frankly, snuggling on the couch or making out or, you know, whatever. You know, there's all kinds of there's a whole bucket of stuff that you can consider into that. Um, whole list of something consider in that bucket essentially of intimacy so if you were sort of counseling a young couple what would you sort of tell them that would be important to to um, you know discuss going forward as far as their long-term commitment
0: yeah I think most people start relationships not talking about sex right like Mm
1: -hmm. this it's
0: they're new it's kind of you got this all this shame stuff from society so nobody's like nice to meet you what position do you like best you know, <laughs> but some people like they really are trying that in the sex positive sex education, they really are empowering people to have that conversation of like, hey, yeah. I really like it when blah, blah, blah. What do you like? Um, what don't you like? So like, what are your yeses, nos and maybes um, and kind of developing the, the safety of intimacy around that of like, I really need to lay on the couch for like 30 minutes with you rubbing my feet and then like, man, I'm into it. Um, yeah. and you know, to be like, this is the roadmap because I think we assume, or we give our power away again, right? We give our power away to our partner of like, like stereotypically he, but she's too, but like, they're not supposed to just know how your body works, especially if you don't know how your body
1: works. Hmm. Yeah. I think I see that a lot with, um, patients in the office who are newly married and just don't know how to start the conversation and say like, and I just, that's what I tell them. like tell them what you like, like literally just say, Hey, I need 30 minutes of my foot, my feet rubbed before this happens, or I need the dishes done or I need, you know, whatever it is that you need, you have to just communicate with that. Cause no one knows. I can't read your mind. Yep. I mean, just like you can't tell what they want. So you have to just throw it out there, have that conversation because it'll just long-term work better. If you said what you want, as mm-hmm. opposed to just hoping he guessed it. Yeah. Totally. That, I mean, then he lives up to this, you know, goal that you don't actually even know, he didn't even know he
0: had. <laughs> yeah. And I think, well, you know, what an opportunity for a young relationship to be able to have that conversation. Cause I think a lot of people find themselves in the middle of a relationship and they're like, we've never talked about it and this is not working for me. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's an opportunity for young people. You're like, fantastic. You're at the beginning of your relationship. Like have a conversation, you know, have a conversation like over coffee while you're dressed at the dinner table. Like about make it just kind of like you know a conversation instead of like naked after maybe a failed orgasm attempt and you're like you're not working for me like that's not that's not how you talk to your partner about sex
1: <laughs> no it's probably not going to go well i it's think not uh, go well. feelings might be hurt on that <laughs> discussion yep
0: if you make it about me and we it's much much better than you mm-hmm. so get, get rid of the you whereas a lot of women will be like you don't give me an orgasm <laughs>
1: yeah no no it no, needs
0: the, to be yeah it's got to be we or it's got to be me like mm-hmm. i i want to explore you know other ways easier ways different ways Hmm.
1: so on the other since we since i sort of um see people on all stages you know the younger folks all the way up but obviously when you hit menopause that's a big conversation people typically bring which is you know this is not enjoyable anymore i don't you know i think he and I have different levels <laughs> as to what we want and what we, um, you know, interest. I mean, basically libido is a big factor as you hit menopause. So what would you tell pay or t- patients, clients, whoever, cause I know you have a wonderful course that you're offering. So I could say clients as well. Um, and so what would you tell those people if they were saying, well, what, you know, I'm 52 and you know, I'm not 22 anymore. Like what are the things that I need to think about that, are going to change on my body, and how can I then talk to my partner about, you know, I'm different now? Because yeah. I know I hear that a lot from patients who are like, I'm just different, and he doesn't get me anymore.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I think so many things happen to the female body and mind with menopause that it's definitely a conversation you have to, to have with your partner because he doesn't know. Right. And so it's really being open of like, you know what, I'm just my sleep is really bad now because these hot flashes are keeping me up and and getting treatment for that. Because, you know, going back to sex drive, when both shift workers, so people who are up a lot at night and then early moms who are up a lot at night, sleep deprivation is horrible for libido. Your body does not want to reproduce when it's exhausted. It, it knows it knows better. Right. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> so sleep's a big thing and sleep certainly gets disrupted in menopause. Um, The other thing I always make sure of is that any pain with sex is being addressed. Uh, Lubrication absolutely goes down with a decrease in estrogen in the pelvis. So an adequate lubrication, not that KY jelly that you get at Walgreens, like high quality silicone lubricant that lasts because in dry skin, a water-based lubricant will just get reabsorbed really fast, right? Just like dry skin here. So silicone will be longer lasting. So a good quality lubricant because you will experience dryness, um, but I think also in educating people that I, say, I have people in their 70s and 80s having lovely sex lives. I think mm-hmm. society has told us, like, well, now that you're 50, you just shouldn't want it as much or expect that you won't want it as much. Instead of, like, learning what you can do to contextually put you in a situation where you're still enjoying sex and, and enjoy that closeness with your partner. Mm-hmm.
1: And and enjoy it if they want to. Because some, some women, ultimately, that's not interest this and they're not interested as well so I always mention to people too you know you make sure that you if you don't want that you need to be clear as to what's a priority and if you're you know if that's something that you don't want to but if you certainly do then there are options like don't be shy to come and ask your urologist or your gynecologist or your primary care doctor about what you can do because it shouldn't be over just because you hit
0: And I think, you know, that's very, that's way more complicated than I think women give it credit for is if you don't want it and you're like, I'm fine without it. He wants it, but I don't want it is if you, if you look at sex more as an intimacy and a way to be intimate with a partner instead of a roommate with a partner, right. Of why doesn't that woman want to have an intimate, vulnerable relationship with her partner. And that's where I bring in my sex therapist. To be like, are you truly not a sex, not wanting to have, be sexual with this partner because there's relationship stuff going on, mm-hmm. or do you just not want sex because it's painful? Do you not want sex because you're doing it for him? Do you not want sex because you're not focusing on your orgasm and your pleasure, right? And all of that can be like, I just don't want it, or do you just need to untangle those things?
1: Yeah, and it could be different. It could be the what you liked before is not working. You know, you so true. Something different or, yeah, people, you just don't know it yet.
0: People are like, why, why can't it be how it was when we were 18? Why can't it be easy? And it's like, well, I, we shouldn't actually have a bunch of 18-year-olds running around forever. <laughs> like, there's a lot of grace and knowledge that happens when we're not 18, but we do sometimes have to t- do other things, right?
1: So when do you think people should see, um, you said, a sex therapist that you use, that you work with to kind of help you unravel those more complicated themes that are going on in someone's life that may affect why they don't want intimacy. When do you think they should go see someone, uh, you know, a primary care doctor or a physician or a sex therapist, or what do you think uh, people should sort of decide? When should they decide that's an issue?
0: Yeah, I think pain, dryness, any sort of pelvic body issue, dealing with menopause, go see your physician and talk to him or her. Um, A sex therapist is really, this is causing distress in our relationship. Mm -hmm. or it's just it's causing even just personal distress i don't know if my partner is distressed or not but i'm having distress and the sex therapists they're just therapists who are are okay talking about sex right Mm -hmm. knowing that it's really about a relationship and an intimate relationship and how sex is a vital component to most intimate relationships okay
1: so those that find that they're kind of questioning whether or not it's something they want to continue with maybe because they're not there's something else going on with their partner it's probably better to head over and see if you have one in your you know town or city but there are now quite it seems like quite a few telehealth options now which is great
0: yeah a great resource is rosie rosie wellness is an app created by a gynecologist based in texas now they have texas telehealth on the app which is amazing. And they're going to expand it to more to more states. Um, and then ASECT, A-A-S-E-C-T, is the American Association of Clinical Sex Therapists, possibly. And you can Google your zip code. So that's like extensive training to be trained in comprehensive, compassionate sex therapy. I had a woman who came to me for low libido and... I know that there's no, there's two FDA approved pills for low libido, but I know there's no pill. Why would you, again, don't give your power away. Why are you giving your power away to the pill? Right? So I'm talking to her about her relationship and she's like, well, we're actually in marriage counseling, you know, we're separating this. And I'm like, and you're here wondering why you don't, your body doesn't want to sleep with this guy. Like I would clearly you have a, so I think libido is always context dependent, mostly context dependent. Um, And if the relationship is strained and here you are thinking you're broken because your libido is low, it's a chicken and egg sort of thing.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and and also telling women it's a science, right? It's your brain. Like we are built to that we have to have that context for it to work. So I think understanding that it's okay that for you that need has to be met in order to get there. I mean, I think sometimes people feel guilty for those things like, well, I know it's bad, but I really wanted the house to be clean. Like, I think, you know, it's okay. Like it's actually, your brain has to function to do this. Like that's, it's not just a one organ that turns on and you just click it on and the rest can just be off.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, I think a lot of women, we think about men a lot more like light switches for sex, right? And I think a lot of women are like, wouldn't that be nice if I could just switch it on and off? And it'd be like, yeah, that would be really nice. But it doesn't usually work like that, and that's okay. It doesn't mean you're broken because you're not a light switch. It's just women are different than men, not yeah. not good or bad, just different.
1: <laughs> Thankfully, right? It's good to be. It's good to be a little different. It I'm is. glad that we're, it it that we're different. Good. Than that.
0: Absolutely, <laughs> and women have women's bodies are built for pleasure, right? I think the majority of our knots we tie ourselves into are because we have all these thoughts, and I think this is where thoughts and coaching and mind work comes in, of like. Society told you it was bad, your mom told you it was bad, you never learned how to have pleasure, and here you are thinking you're broken, right? Of like, no, we have to undo kind of all of this this situation we got ourselves in.
1: Yes, I agree. So I mentioned a little bit about your course. What are you offering? Or what what can you help like, you know, folks in the Well Woman MD crew that wanna learn more about you?
0: Yeah, so I have a website, Kelly Casperson MD dot com. I started out just being a sex positive sex education of like women just need to know their facts right you need to know the facts about desire the facts about your body and your clitoris the facts the facts and I'm like that doesn't always help them solve their problems though right so I kind of started adding in the coaching part of it so it's not medical advice I am a physician but you don't aren't going to get any doctoring from me I keep them completely separate but a lot of it is working on the brain of it goes back to that power thing of like you're limiting beliefs of like well I want to have a good sex life, but but I don't want to touch myself down there, you know, and being like, okay, we got to work on some stuff and kind of untangling those knots. So we kind of go through anatomy and then normal sexual response and then individual problems, kind of working on coaching. Another big one is like blaming it on your partner, right? Well, he doesn't know. No, no, we can't control other people. This is about your body and your pleasure. And how can we get you more empowered? So it's super fun when women kind of take on, you have all the power, right? Don't give it away. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and knowledge is power. <laughs> yep. So the, the more you know, the more that you know what you um, sometimes don't know yet, <laughs> once you find this out, like the, the better that this can be if you actually define what intimacy is for you.
0: Yeah, and yeah. a lot of it's staying curious, right? Of like a lot of people are just think, well, I, I thought it was just penis and vagina sex. Right. And, you're, and then what do you do when that doesn't work, when the penis doesn't work, when you don't have an orgasm with that way? And it's like to expand the possibility to get pleasure instead of being like, this is all I have and it's not working. That's okay. setting you up for failure instead of like, let's try other things. Let's try yeah. just, just being naked together with no, mm-hmm. go- with no goals and just enjoying bodies. You know, I got getting Western busy women. Like we're in our heads so much of like getting into the body, but that's really where the sexual pleasure comes from.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and what we see is not always what we're, <laughs> what we just, we don't have to build up those shows of, you know, the hot guy with the shirt off and, the, you know, like it, we just need to sort of figure out what actually is something that we can be creative with. That's practical. <laughs> totally. Yep. Yep. That's yeah. And in, in
0: Hollywood, Hollywood sold women a, a bill of goods, you know, because all Hollywood is, is like very sudden dual orgasms, penis and vagina sex. And then women are like, wait, hold on. That's not working for me. So Hollywood is not <laughs> an accurate description of like normal sexual response.
1: Yeah. Well, what I, so we're going to end this um, Facebook Live, but I want to make sure that I covered everything that you wanted to cover. Do you have anything in, that I have not talked about that you want to bring out yeah, to us? Yeah, I'll,
0: I'll mention one more pearl. Um, okay. Desire mismatch. So okay. again, it's just more empowering just knowing that you're not broken, right? So in a relationship, there's two people and you, you always have different opinions about things. Mm-hmm. I like lasagna. You like cheeseburgers. Like that's mm-hmm. perfectly okay. I can't make you like lasagna. You might just still like cheeseburgers, right? And that's totally normal. And but for some reason, with sex, we think we're supposed to be on this perfect matched like we both want it equally amount in the equal amount of time. That's not how it works, right? Mm-hmm. And so a lot of time it's like, well, how can I get my partner to have more sex, or how can I get my blah blah blah? It's like you can. It's important to talk to them, but it's not the lower desires person's job to match their desire and it's not the higher person's job to only have this much desire you have different amounts of desire and that's totally normal so I think a lot of people feel broken if they're like he wants it all the time but I don't like I'm really good with like you know x times a week or x times a month of like make sure that that's pleasurable and enjoyable because pleasure and enjoyable kind of builds on itself right so there is mm-hmm. there can be things you can do to be like, "Hey, that actually is way more fun let's Let's try it more but you're it's the low desire not, it's not their fault that's just how they are. They have size eight feet, and other people have size ten feet like that might be how it is and it, but the lower desire it's not their fault so I think that's that's very that's very reassuring for a lot of women,
1: mhm-. Yeah, and I think it's also the person with the higher desires uh, reassuring, too, because then they realize, like, well, maybe uh, maybe, maybe we're not all built the same. Like, maybe we need to think about that. Yeah, and, and it fluctuates in relationships, too. Sometimes you're not always that same low desire person the entire time. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. You know? It can totally switch. It might flip rules mm-hmm. at yeah. some
0: point. And, and age and illness and stress levels at work and how well you're sleeping. And, you know, you guys, it's okay to flip-flop back and forth. But I think that's very empowering. I always hesitate, you know, people will be like, well, what's the, what's the right amount of times a week to have sex? And it's like, no, 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 no. This isn't like, don't give women another thing to have to do, right? Like eight glasses of water a day, 30 minutes of cardiovascular exercise, six to eight fruits and vegetables. Like don't give them another number that they have to like be good enough for. It's not nice. So I, I never say like, you know, they do research and say like the average But it's like if it's enjoyable and pleasurable and you guys have a good time together, that's all that matters. There's no there's no you should involved.
1: Yeah. Well, thank you very much for joining me on this Friday afternoon. Yeah, it was great Uh to be
0: here.